It's so hard to understand everything that's happening right now because we're still in the middle of it. First, there is this um, I would, awareness or maybe just unconscious th- thought or feeling that we can only uh, make it together. If, if we cannot come together to make a change, we will not make it happen. But also this uh, being on the streets and seeing that and sharing with other people uh, concerns and hopes and dreams made it easier to trust each other. Najwa Sahmarani, co-founder and director of programs at Tripoli Entrepreneurs Club. Tripoli was in, in a dire need to feel part mm. of this country. Mm. <laughs> and like even even us like working uh, in entrepreneurship, yeah. uh, when, when we first started, we felt that we need to fight our way to position Tripoli at, in, the, in this national ecosystem. Right. Um, and it, this applied to a lot of other things. Uh, it's, Tripoli has been detached for a long, long time. And this is why when when there was the chance to uh, to be and feel um, part of this country, I think like they they took it to the <laughs> to the extreme in a good way. <laughs> but what detached do you mean? In, in, in what 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 exactly do you mean when you say detached? Because I know I know that feeling of that. Uh, the, uh, well, I mean that uh, most people uh, see Tripoli only through the media. Yeah. And right. they don't actually know Tripoli. Um, and uh, like we hear the comments and what people talk about Tripoli, hmm. whether it's positive or negative, and we know it's detached. Like yeah. you know, they've they've not they don't understand the community well. They don't know what's happening. Yeah. Um, they've never been. So yeah, like so you detached know. in terms of perception that that Lebanese were not giving Tripoli its fair chance. Uh, not only the community, but also on the political level, like you mm-hmm. know. Uh, development plans, uh, political uh, political weight, like, you know, there is a weight in terms of number of votes, but it's not like, it, there's no actual, like, politics happening yeah. uh, in the city even. On a superficial level, it feels like Tripoli was increasingly detaching over time, whether mm-hmm. from its own side or from the rest of the Lebanese pulling away. Mm-hmm. Is that a post-war uh, experience? I don't know if I wasn't like really like aware of it, but uh, but yeah, I think um, it did increase over time. So mm. um, I, yeah, I wouldn't say it's just my perception. I would I would say like it did increase over time this mm. detachment, especially in the, in the times of uh, conflict between Jabal uh, Mahsan uh, and Tabene, and like you know different uh, different conflicts that arise arise in this. Uh, so it's six, the seven la- years. The last <laughs> decade, you were focusing on that. That that word really got worse. Yeah. The last ten years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. But you know, it, the 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 thing is, um, it it is, it was uh, the detachment was going up and then down again and then up. Yeah. It was waves sometimes. Right. Uh, and in, in in different communities, but it was never like uh, as big as like the image of Tripoli that was shown at the beginning of this of this revolution that right. like. We'd have um, good, like you know, good news in the media or like big events or stuff, but like nothing uh, that really can change the perception of uh, of people who would just look for the media for <laughs> for news about and, the but, cities. But then again, so the yeah. media this time around, perhaps the the 
opposite, which is it elevated Tripoli to a city sure. that is sort of deserving of its mm. recognition. I want to ask you, we're over two months into this mm. revolt. Do you sense that things are moving in the right direction? What? And in terms of where people, the initial reasons they went to the street mm. two months ago, and where we are right now, do you think this country, and not mm. just Tripoli, but on a national level, that we're inching our way closer to progress? Or is there some reservation on your side, some caution that, that this may unfortunately not take Lebanon to a sort of a place that people are demanding? Uh, there is always a risk. Mm. Uh, we, I think all of us know that uh, mm. um, we're taking a risk. Yeah. But, but what options do you have? Like you probably would have three options maybe like uh, just keeping things the way they were just in new formats new faces right uh, like mess conflict and war or option C that would be ideally <laughs> change for the better yeah um, so we all know that I guess that three options um, one of them would happen we, we, right. we cannot right. know for sure that we will reach option option C and they can, we cannot just be in fear of reaching option B. Um, right. But the reason I ask you is because option B, mm-hmm. the fear of going towards violence, I think is what kept a lot of people in my generation and earlier generations unwilling to do this earlier. Mm-hmm. And option B is the worst case scenario. That option A is unfortunately what all of us are used to. But I like that you've divided it into three. That's sort of an easy way to see it. Option A is the bad situation. Option B is the old way of looking at things. And option C is what all of us hope to achieve in some form or capacity. Yeah. I think what we can do now um, is making sure that we at least do what we can to prevent option B. Yeah. Uh, and fight our way Uh, peacefully to option C. I feel the same thing. It seems like it's always on the brink, that nobody has really overstepped fully, Mm. but it's there and it's sort of, it's never far away. And do you think the younger generation even sees that? Their their expectations are so high. To them, there's no fear. It's really just going all the way. And do you sense the youth has these kinds of, what you're describing, A, B, and C scenarios, or is it really just C for them? And there's no, there's no alternative. Well, I would say it's just uh, C for them. Mm, yeah. <laughs> even even uh, maybe uh, the, the fear or like the concern for option B is not taking so much space. Uh, of right. their energy right, right now mm-hmm. uh, because they're still at, at a stage where th- like they, there is this, this pu- pu- push, this uh, energy towards taking, making things better, like changing things and things are happening it's slow but things are happening and like every win is giving more motivation that we might go- be going uh, in the right direction um, but in general they are courageous so um, even if uh, they they know that there is yeah. this fear of option B, but we still can take the decision and um, and go on. Like you know, this is this fear from from the from mess and conflicts and war. 
as you mentioned, it, it is what kept people uh, silent in a way <laughs> for years. It kept our parents also always reminding us to not risk it. Mm. It's better to avoid this whole thing. But the younger kids don't seem to even have that uh, that pressure. It's yeah. either this works or it just the yeah. whole thing. Doesn't and I don't really, uh, I don't really see that civil war uh, is. Uh, this is why I I said like conflict or mess or whatever words mm-hmm. describe this or should be. But uh, like it's not civil war because uh, people uh, obviously are not, yeah, are not going towards civil war unless. There is a political decision to push things, but uh, right. but it's not like an option uh, that can just happen right. <laughs> uh, through the but people. It's not, you know? So it's not like literally a third chance for each one. Mm. It's option. Sure. I mean, it's not like it could go one ah. of three ways. Because <laughs> no, I'm curious. I've yeah. never, I don't think I've ever heard anyone describe it that way. It's, a, it's sort of an easy mm. way to see it. Mm. It's like oh, you know, this could happen. I'm sure there are more other. <laughs> but <laughs> for simplification purposes <laughs> right well yeah regardless there's hundreds of thousands if not at times mm-hmm. over a million perhaps half the population a few weeks ago demonstrating and mm-hmm. demonstrating I think I mean this is a national led volunteering situation people are volunteering their time their effort their money too to a degree their economic well-being to pursue this and reach a better place where we're sitting Tripoli Entrepreneurs Club <laughs> that started off in its inception as a volunteer-led idea yes uh, for four years uh, it, it was like solely run on volunteering uh, efforts <laughs> could, you, could you just take me back a bit to that stretch of time because and you said it earlier and we were talking about a time Tripoli was there was violence between Bebet Tabin and Jabal Mahsan there's Fatah Islam a few years earlier, Nahar Bered. What made this kind of club or initi- initiative sort of, what was the thinking behind it in 2013? Was it a, we don't want to let this city slide further, we're going to get in the way? Mm-hmm. Or was it just a matter of there was an opportunity and you seized on it? I'm, I'm just curious about 2013. Why is that year the, the beginning um, of this? I think it was a change of perception. Mm. that seeing looking at Tripoli as a city of potential mm. uh, even though like we were in the middle of conflict and all the terrible news <laughs> and images in, in, uh, in the media but we didn't look, see the city like this we mm. knew like it was uh, as usual exaggerated even like even the good things are exaggerated like in this revolution <laughs> but uh, but yeah like we 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 um, we were we live here, so we knew uh, how exaggerated the things mm. were shown, and we knew we knew like uh, the conflict is really about political messages uh, between uh, um, different political leaders, and it wasn't like really like uh, uh, part of this community. You know, it was it wasn't like it wasn't that the people in the community are in conflict. It wasn't like this. So um, being in a city where like it's full of youth, yeah. uh, we have uh, more than 15 higher education institutions, so full of educated youth, and uh, it's so much potential. Like you no, know, they can do a lot of things. But was the conflict in the background before you sort of tapped into this entrepreneurship and and, and youth? Did was the conflict something you were trying to push against, or was it simply just? 
you know, we have a youth bulge. We need to do something about this. It's, it, it is, uh, I would say it's a combination of different factors because we are a group of people who came together so for mm, to each mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. his own motivation. Um, but like speaking personally, I, I wanted to, I wanted people to, uh, in my city to have similar opportunities to what, to what I just had. Like, you know, I was just starting my entrepreneurial journey and uh, uh, getting introduced to the whole ecosystem, uh, national and uh, regional. Were you in Tripoli um, before that? Or yeah, you? yeah, yeah. Okay, so I just studied uh, in Biblos, but like, it's just... Uh, Otherwise <laughs> here, yeah. Yeah. I just had uh, like been introduced to the whole ecosystem. Um, competitions mm. participated regionally uh, MIT this tech for the region and uh, I've seen like there, uh, there is so much uh, potential so much opportunities that people could do that maybe they probably they're not aware of and uh, and you wanted just, to bring that kind of potential yeah and we had just uh, secured fund for the startups I was, I was uh, part of uh, from Veritech fund so we secured okay. investment yeah. and we were able to actually like start uh, our full operations so I wanted to other people. I wanted other young people in the city to be aware of this yeah. at the beginning, and to see uh, there are other people, uh, friends and people I've I've known uh, from competitions who were also in Tripoli who were interested to yeah like start the conversation about entrepreneurship and but this I, is how it started. This is a stupid mm-hmm. question, mm-hmm. and I say this as someone who's originally from Tripoli. Why did it take so long? for these ideas to emerge in Tripoli? Because you're describing something like Veritech, which is, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not that it's that old, mm-hmm. but this type of work has been in Beirut for some time and it's sort of been growing steadily. What, Tripoli being the second largest city, having such a, and you said it, an educated youth. Was, was it the company? There was, a, there was an attempt. Uh, like, for example, there was the Maurice Father Prize. Uh, Right. for best business plan okay. um, it, it happened I think for two consecutive years or so um, but was it, is it but a the political thing is, problem that prevents it's not, this? it's not a political problem no. it's okay. uh, the mentality of the, the um, probably I wouldn't say corporate the rich people in, in the city uh, because Beritech is backed by corporate and backed mm-hmm, by investment mm-hmm. um, and this is how they are able to to, to fund, to operate yeah. and to support. But I would say in Tripoli, most of the things that are good uh, are grassroots uh, initiative that were built from scratch and by people who um, I mean, wanted to make things happen but no like no one like came and say that oh I, I want to invest in my city I have uh, I can invest in uh, in businesses or in startup here right uh, and let's do this and it still it still didn't happen yet <laughs> exactly no but is that I mean I'm trying to get to the bottom of why Tripoli was sliding on its own is that a is that an economic problem for Tripoli that it was no. that it was not keeping its talent that talented youth would simply move mm-hmm. or even leave the country that was there was that part of it that you the the market you're trying to in a way activate mm-hmm. was not here or is that is that not part of the story because i'm wondering it just seems so late mm-hmm. and that it would take somebody in 2013 to mm-hmm. sort of make this happen well, a lot of it is about, uh, I would say, in terms of entrepreneurship and business and this type of activity, it's centralized, you know, not even in other places in, 
Lebanon right. is happening. So, oh, so I say about, like okay. the, yeah, next, yeah. the second biggest activity after Beirut in terms of entrepreneurship is is Tripoli now. Okay. Uh, yeah. But also because we pushed for it. Uh, mm-hmm. All the people who were like trying to make uh, to make this happen, not because um, institutions or the, the the government or any right. like political or economic leaders decided to do that, but um, some so, would so say sen- it's sen- kind of yeah. a political discussion, uh, like political decision to. Uh, I'm, I cannot like just. Uh, Um, adopt this, you know, but we hear that there is a political decision to make Tripoli lose all its function as a, like, its economic and national function, so it becomes like a city for just political messages and pressure and stuff, but I cannot adopt this, this is mm. like, um, it could be, I don't know, you don't know what's, what's happening behind the doors, but we, what we know is that the politicians and the political leaders and economic leaders of the city, they did not do anything to change that. So whether it was planned or it happened by coincidence, right. it did happen. So, so could, I mean, just a step mm. towards what's happening now, mm. is it, would you factor corruption into the problem? Because I, I like what you said mm. about centrality, and that's mm. a factor throughout the country. Mm. Whether it's Tripoli or Nabati, it doesn't matter. Beirut does always get that full mm. attention. Mm. But would you put corruption into that sort of part of the story, that people that are elected mm. in Tripoli were not working for Tripoli? I would blame more like people who, uh, who can actually invest in, uh, mm. in Tripoli mm. and decide not to. Yeah. Um, there was the economic zone not that long ago. It was what, 2009? It's still there. It's still around. <laughs> <laughs> there were those kinds of ideas that were emerging here, and they kind of just automatically took a backseat and they drifted a bit. Hmm. I mean, I'm trying to find where the, where the problem is because it's, there's so many people with talent, and, and just it's so hard to do something simple like this. It is like, for example, for Circle Three Three One, I don't know if other people tried, but we were uh, trying uh, so hard, like to to have to really benefit yeah. even slightly from this circular. Like eventually, yeah. I think it stopped. Now I don't know. The thing is, like most of the money invested for the knowledge and innovation economy mm. and through Circle Three Three One, uh, it was in Beirut, right. uh, taking like the assumption that. Uh, whoever is going to be doing such type of business would have access to the organizations inside yeah. Beirut. But the thing is, it doesn't make sense at early stages, uh, for example, accelerator stage, for a startup to leave Tripoli and go live in Beirut just to validate their initial idea or business right, model. Right, exactly. It doesn't make yeah. sense. Uh, so, so, I mean, <laughs> but can I ask you, this is your opinion. Mm. Because Tripoli is still protesting, because people are still demanding a better city, a better economy, do you think that is part of the discussion, that there's a local localism that people are demanding as well, so that these ideas are not sort of thrown into Beirut, that they stay here? that they blossom here? Is that even part of the story? Well, people want to build a prosperous life and yeah. the city they choose to live in. Right, so, right. so definitely, uh, uh, I would say, like this is part of what people want, like mm-hmm. to be able to have quality life here, to be able to build quality yes. uh, opportunities, quality jobs for themselves. Um, like, of course it is part, at least uh, my yeah, <laughs> personal the, demand. Sure, because that sounds like local <laughs> politics. Yeah. That's not necessarily national that's really a local 
discussion. People want their lives, their immediate lives to improve. It is, it is both. Yeah. Uh, it is both a, like uh, a national strategy or mm-hmm. decision. Yeah. And it's a combination of local and national because at the end of the day, they intersect on so many levels. Right. Uh, but that doesn't mean like localism, doesn't mean that it's up in, as opposition. I, I do find that there's something different mm-hmm. happening in Tripoli, that, it's, that there is, and I say this as mm-hmm. someone who's going in and out, mm-hmm. it just feels like the expectations are very dynamic. The grassroots component to Tripoli Entrepreneurs Club, mm-hmm. can you just tell me briefly about those years leading up to 2017? Mm-hmm. What was the reaction among sort of, what was the reaction in Tripoli to what you were trying to do? Was, was it well received? Was it successful? Did it reach the goals that you wanted early on? And I mean this in a very simple way. On a grassroots level, is it taking hold the way you wanted six years ago? It, it has been growing uh, exponentially the past mm. two years, specific, because we've had more resources mm. and um, we've been... Uh, like myself, I've become like fully dedicated for this. I have been work. I had been working on other stuff and uh, my co-founder as well. But the thing is, at the beginning uh, in 2013, it was a small group of people, and we we were building on our own community work in different areas. So mm. a lot of us were also co-organizers of TEDx events and other okay. community events. So a lot of the people who came at the beginning were just interested to to see what this is what this new thing yeah. these people are talking about is <laughs> uh, not necessarily that they wanted to build businesses uh, but like you know uh, we the more we started talking about it the more people were excited to see that there is potential there are alternatives it's not like either you uh, find a job in Beirut or you travel right or, uh, you so can that was part build of it to, to stay in Tripoli that was yes, part of the definitely, okay. definitely. Yeah. It's about like uh, building like uh, your dream job, like dream solution or whatever it is, while staying in, right. in your city if you yeah. choose to stay. <laughs> right. Um, so so it it was tough at the beginning to uh, uh, change the mindset uh, to make entrepreneurship as an option. Mm-hmm. Uh, as opposed to uh, for the best people or the best talent to leave <laughs> the right. city. So this this would be like the first, uh, um, like the top option for a lot of people to graduate and just leave. And how, how can you create a situation where somebody who's maybe tempted to leave purely for financial gain, mm-hmm. that they would then dedicate their career to improving Tripoli? Were there ways to actually make a talented social entrepreneur youth mm. 17 18 stay in tripoli was there some were, were there strategies to actually sort of mm. keep that necessary talent mm. or is it something that's just beyond your control that these are things that are much uh, larger it, we try but but it, it is of course beyond our control but i would say like one of the strategies from day one is solely focused or like primarily focused on building this community of uh, like-minded people of people who want to support each other who want to win together to collaborate even if they're not working on the same thing Mm -hmm. Uh, so we look at another person and be hopeful that uh, yeah me too I can (laughs) build something here I'm not like uh, crazy uh, 
uh, by myself trying to build something in a city where nothing is happening. So no, the there are other crazy yeah. people as well. So, uh, but that was part of it to make sure people felt like they were part of something bigger. Yeah, yeah. this is one and two. Like uh, we focused on building in a way transformational experiences, and this mm-hmm. is why mm-hmm. we opted for the bootcamp models. Right. Um, because intensive experiences and boot camps, like they they accelerate the shift in mindset. <laughs> and the boot camps would happen here. Yeah. No, no. Uh, okay. we would always uh, do them outside Tripoli, okay. like we did in Shouf in Jezin, mm-hmm. and then uh, the idea is like to detach a bit from whatever you do right. in your right. normal uh, life. You, are these mostly digital boot camps? Is it sort of di- digital focused, or is it? It's business focused, but business, we focus okay. on uh, startups uh, in the ICT industry. Uh-huh. Yeah. But we also have non-ICT. The idea is that these startups have to be innovative and scalable, uh, right. and or at least mm-hmm. they are. The people are open and coachable to shift their ideas. Uh, shifting them towards scalability. Scalability. And, okay. Uh, so it's really open to anyone. Uh, yeah, in a way, yeah. Okay. If if uh, but not to traditional businesses. Like uh, right. the idea is uh, to support uh, businesses and startups who have the potential to scale based on uh, the innovation and the knowledge, mm-hmm. not based on the capital. Because if right. it's capital, right. just it's uh, just capital. Like you know, yeah. you can just get an investor and uh, build a restaurant or a gaming lounge or I don't know whatever right. business you want so to build. So it was a deliberate. Deliberately not looking at that, sort of making it into this. Yeah, sort of, yeah, because yeah. Uh, um, th- this is where uh, there was, there there were other people and still are people uh, supporting maybe like micro and small businesses um, and uh, other forms uh, available for other forms of path or mm-hmm. support available to. Uh, different business type of businesses for young people who were creative, innovative, yeah. like techy. Uh, this is a path that could be so like uh, full of potential, you know. But let me ask you if this: If they are interested in it, <laughs> are there any obstacles for a technology-based mm. initiative in Tripoli? And I don't mean Tripoli's location. I mean mm-hmm. the infrastructure in Tripoli. Are there things that prevent people from doing these things here? And I ask it in, in a sense that you see this flourishing community in Beirut. Mm. And I wonder why it just doesn't evolve on its own here in the same sort of magnitude. Are there things here that sort of prevent somebody from focusing in on that? Or is that just not, not, a, not a consideration? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think uh, there's anything that prevents that. Yeah. Uh, we've adapted well for... The challenges, but I would I wouldn't say there. It's because um, electricity in terms cuts of out physical, all over the country. Exactly. Well, I mean, electricity cutouts are here 12, 12 hours a day, I believe, at the moment, or is it? Uh, yeah, every six hours. Every six hours, right? Yeah. But that doesn't de- that doesn't prevent somebody. <laughs> you don't feel it anymore, you know, the generators. Generator, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, exactly. That's my point. So that's not a that's not an obstacle okay. for somebody who wants it's, to. It's do not it. an obstacle. So okay. uh, some of it mm. is uh, the investment. Um, mm. Because, uh, like you know, uh, early stage startups in Beirut they have access to 
uh, different grants and investments and early stage uh, support and whatsoever. Right. Those those um, don't exist easily in AAA. It's much harder. Like we've mm. seen, uh, because we we have startups who graduate from our programs, but we all, we also have startups who are members. So yeah. they had already started their journey and then they joined the club. So we've seen startups that have achieved like really great milestones and they find it much much harder to get investment than a startup who just want a, like a simple competition in uh, uh, right. in Beirut like the access is different so does uh, that does that actually take somebody from Tripoli to Beirut on it that in itself because of a, a money that there's sometimes it does for example like last year two of our uh, graduates from the pre-acceleration program mm. um, they got investment for the accelerator of flat six labs uh, so now they are part of flat six labs they might return they might not we don't know right, right. <laughs> you know we, we want them of course to uh, to grow and get funding yeah. but you know it could be we don't have an accelerator here we're trying to push for it as TEC but it didn't happen uh, what we have been working on for the past uh, four years was the pre-accelerator at least to make right, startups right. eligible to get yes. funding in the next round to become investable to get accelerator money yeah. but we don't have actually an accelerator so uh, and, um, okay so that, that's a structural problem I guess mm-hmm. that, and is that, that is something you're still pushing for this, yeah. despite all that's happening yes. now we're yeah. trying to have other options so mm-hmm. the option A for accelerators was through uh support of the circular 301 yes, so right, uh, right. a bank investing in an accelerator and then uh, the central bank would guarantee this investment mm-hmm. um, this was the plan we were we, we were when you say central bank now I'm, I'm <laughs> exactly <like this>. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know uh, we don't know how things will unfold yeah. but that was the plan a plan B mm-hmm. uh, uh, and we, we worked in parallel on both uh, is to gather um, angel investor uh, network um, that those? would kind of be comparable in terms of size of investment yeah. uh, would those be local tripolitan citizens that are yeah but mostly expats so, I mean tripolitan yeah. expats uh, who live abroad but are originally from Tripoli not expats people that have ties to Tripoli and they have money um, I, I still like the grassroots sort of discussion and I want to ask you, as somebody who's in a way dedicated her life to a degree to the city, somebody like you who's in the middle of this revolution, and I also like what you said, it's too early to reflect on whether or not things are moving in the right direction or not. Do you sense there's a change beyond the social stuff you were talking about earlier, Mm -hmm. that people respect each other more in ways that they didn't before? Is there a, a sort of a proper equilibrium or equality among men and women on the horizon and because I'm, I'm asking you this particularly not only because you're a woman but because in my eyes this revolution has been a woman-led revolution even though women have been involved in every revolution in this country and women have been front and center for anything in Lebanon but it just looks and it feels like women are more involved this time around and I, I see it in woman-led protests. I see women on TV. I see women, I see women politically involved in demanding things, just like men. But do you see that women's rights and their full potential? And this, I mean it in the whole thing, not just 
nationality for their children, not just divorce restrictions, but economic opportunity and where Lebanese do not sort of look at women as something other than just a Lebanese citizen. Do you see that as sort of emerging from what people are demanding? Well, again, it's so hard to uh, reflect reflect, uh, already on this, but of course it has been remarkable, the engagement and uh, the the strength of the women uh, in this revolution. Not that it wasn't expected, but still, like, uh, you would still be in, in awe, like at <laughs> seeing uh, yeah. the different type of uh, engagement. So it's not like only one type of engagement, like only mothers doing that or only young women doing that. This right. like it was right. all over on all levels, all aspects, um, even in blocking roads and uh, yeah. it's 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 and it's remarkable, especially in Tripoli, how much. Um, um, it's accepted on all levels as well, you know. Uh, you would expected or accepted. Accepted and and as expected, uh, but uh-huh. I but yeah. I said ex- uh, accepted because I meant like for example, um, it would have been uh, it would have been hard for me to uh, uh, expect that it would be a normal conversation that women would be blocking the road uh, at right, four right. or five a.m. Mm. Uh, in Tripoli, you know, uh, before the revolution. But once the revolution started, all this these perceptions changed. But I would say before October October 17, like we'd have some small de- demonstrations mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Uh, or road uh, blocking, but you wouldn't expect to find women there. Uh, right, but now you so do. So like you know, it's it's really uh, it's it's really great to see uh, women engage on all different levels. But is that, I mean, I know, again, it's in some ways it is too soon, but do you you sense that this is part of the mix, that women, you can't reverse these things? So if there's going to be, let's say, another protest or another demonstration or another event, that it's just difficult to see women taking a step back now, that they're going to remain in the front. I'm trying to see where this sort of leads. Uh, I would say, like... um uh, and of, of course, it's my opinion, my observation that uh, it is a sign of of um, also a trust, you know, like mm. uh, being on the streets mm. with with uh, everyone who is there, mm. uh, especially like I wouldn't say like in women-led co- uh, demonstrations because the other activities where it's not even segregated, like it's uh, men and women there and and um, up. Uh, being there from the beginning of the revolution Mm. it means that there was this trust that is uh, at least demonstrated you know Uh, we trust being on the streets we are not afraid of of being on the streets we are not afraid of our community we can do uh, we can express also women are trusting men more exactly yeah the men and community in general right uh, because it's not only men, it's also other women judging. I think the revolution started when that woman kicked the security guard. <laughs> and I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. None of, we didn't see it ourselves. We know, the, we know that image. And it's been spread all over the place. And it feels like it's old now. It's two months ago. But I really think that was the beginning of what empowered a lot of people to join in. And do you think that would be a fair way of looking at it, that women felt emboldened, that they could, quote-unquote, kick? 
you know, punish the, whatever you want to call it, the system, that there was something that maybe rallied more people towards this moment? Uh, I would say it was one of the the defining moments mm. uh, of this revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it wasn't one specific thing that moved people to the street. Mm. I remember, like, the first day here, it was more October 18, probably. Because October 17, it was, was, uh, yeah. it was very small and, yeah. and the, like, late at night yeah. in Tripoli. But October 18, we didn't know what's going to happen or who's going to be on the street. We right. were, we were, even in Beirut, we didn't know how big it is, you know. Yeah. We still hadn't seen uh, much uh, news about it. But... Uh, I think a lot of, at least my friends and people around me, we were so frustrated after the fires and uh, after the, 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 like, you know, the statements <laughs> during this, <Yeah. laughs> uh, this crisis. And then, like, you know, everyone was looking at, at the failure of this government and then the next day they declare taxes. It's not about, like, the amount of tax or how much uh, but the, yeah. like the way they are treating uh, the people, it was it was really unacceptable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You cannot like in the same week where we have uh, we have witnessed your failure, and then this is what you come up with. You right. Know? Right. Uh, and then when we went on the streets, we found hundreds and thousands of people coming, and and uh, especially in Tripoli. This is the first time I go on the streets uh, oh. for a very, very long time. Yeah. Maybe like we had one time we took uh, uh, a silent stand here for, I think, I don't remember what was happening. It was like 10 years ago, but this is like the first time I go on the yeah. streets and just, I wanted to be there and, and see for myself. Like, right. you know, I was so frustrated at the government. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just, uh, I'll go there and I'll see if it's uh, it's really a revolution or if it, we didn't know, like no one called it a revolution, but sure. we just went there and people kept flooding and and uh, we were in the middle of the square yeah. and then suddenly we couldn't move. So we were, it was, uh, I don't know if you've, you've been uh, oh, to yeah, in the yeah. first... Uh, oh, not the first few days, no. The first few days, like yeah. we need an hour to get from the center of the square to, yeah. to the end uh-huh. uh, the... Yeah, they're on the about to the end of it, like just to do, just to go out. You know, yeah. you would need an hour to just move in the crowd. <laughs> it was huge and uh, it was you, massive, and it was like a festival right, because people right. were so happy to be on the streets together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had been a very very long time that they haven't felt that togetherness, and uh, people from different backgrounds, different levels, different genders. Uh, it was yeah, it was so beautiful. <laughs> so really, to you, it's just a, it's a buildup of many events that just pushed people over the edge. Yeah, you know, I, at least for me. <laughs> yeah, I actually I like that everyone is has their own reasons, mm. and they're all lining up. Really, they're all lining up together, but mm. everyone has their limits, and everyone has their sort of what took them over the edge. Mm. And I like that you said those outrageous statements in the middle of the fire. It's hard. It's it's easy to forget that that's just two and a half months ago, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were so. It was so embarrassing to hear those statements, and then it was also equally unthinkable that a few days later this exactly. whole moment would start. I just want to wrap it up with a question in, from your perspective about the priority for Tripoli. Mm-hmm. 
I had a conversation about infrastructure in Tripoli, and my, again, naive perception is that the more investment in Tripoli's infrastructure, the better. And I'll say this simply, I mean, it's not just the Marad being used for more than just a ghost town. I'm talking about really, I mean, making sure electricity is 100%, making sure there's clean water, making sure the airport potentially reopens in the north, making sure that nothing is preventing an economic uh, opportunity from emerging in Tripoli. Schools, hospitals, everything, anything that's government regulated should be addressed at least on par with Beirut, at least. And I was scolded for this, saying, you know, that this is unnecessary. Now you should be thinking about human suffering, uh, poverty, food, uh, bare minimum, clothing, shelter, social security. And do you sense that, there's a, there, that there should be a priority right now for Tripoli? And if there is one, should, should it be on the political scale or should it be more on a very local, very human individual needs in times of crisis? It depends how long this crisis mm. <laughs> will go on. Because I think what you're doing, but in a sense, is kind of both. It's, it's grassroots and it's also infrastructure. Exactly, yeah. But I would say, um, again, it's a bit of combination of mm. both. Mm. Because, for example, there is the urgent uh, uh, medical needs. And mm. this is something like, uh, it's so hard to, to cover um, when from other people coming together, like now we're seeing like campaigns and donations and stuff, and people mm. are doing very well in terms of at least food and shelter and uh, um, like basic support, but medical coverage, it's so hard to, uh, to get that. Yeah. So I would say this should be a priority, of course, mm -hmm. because you mm -hmm. know, humans first. Yeah. Uh, but w of course, I'm not with like gearing to the, the demands for Tripoli towards uh, um, the other basic, uh, stuff because I think the community is doing well and mm. and uh, it should happen anyway. No, it's not even something we should demand. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, it should it should be uh, on the top of the list anyway. But okay. what our yeah. demands should be. Uh, so that's something it's it's expected regardless. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, you yeah, shouldn't yeah. be uh, demanding for uh, <laughs> the basics. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but I would definitely agree that. Whatever uh, making uh, investability uh, um, go higher in the city would be a priority mm -hmm. because it's all related to uh, the economic uh, crisis and the economic situation of the country and of of the city as well. Like it's uh, and and because Tripoli has this potential, you know, has this right. potential to be economic hub. Um, it's not like there are a zillion, a zillion option. Uh, we are a small country, you know. Yeah. It's and it's the second biggest uh, city in uh, Lebanon, yeah. so it has the potential to play a bigger role. And uh, I think this is a question not just for Tripoli, but also for Lebanon as well. Uh, yeah. Uh, like this, is, we have an economic crisis, and what are we gonna do about it? And it should be a, a national strategy to find uh, different roles and different functions for the different. Regions and cities, uh, so, really so they can play an yeah. important role in uh, building uh, the economic foundation for so the country. You, so you really want to see all of the above addressed at once. 
short, short of human suffering. I, I, I mean, I w- ex- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, uh, but again, like you know, uh, it shouldn't be that we're demanding for people to get there. Yeah, uh, yeah. It should be. It should be there. No, it right. shouldn't be even a demand. I'm not saying, of course, it it is of top priority and top urgency, but this is not. The only reason uh, this is just now yeah. a cause and a consequence for this stage, but mm-hmm. this is not uh, the only thing we want. We want the next stage. We don't want to reach this stage again. Yeah. So we want to prepare the foundation for uh, um, the next stage of the life of the city and the country. Hopefully. <laughs> I think that even if even if this does not turn into something that works long term. And we've been talking about it regularly. It's too soon. I think anyone who looks back the last mm. few months, years from now, when they look back to this revolution, I think the optimism and the sincere desires of Tripoli will stand out. And it's not just, I mean, you described it yourself being stuck among hundreds of thousands of people chanting in a festivity. <laughs> It's more than that. I think it's really uh, the average citizen in Tripoli, whether it's you or other people like you, doing all these kinds of initiatives and NGO and entrepreneurial ideas. And really, there's a, there's an expectation in Tripoli that's, that stands out. I think it's much more powerful than any image of uh, watching tri- Tripoli dance or party. I think these are really, these are the real stories. I hope Tripoli improves the way you want to see it improve. I wish you guys a lot of success. Thank so, you so much. Thank you for your time.